0: Hello listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is monsters and mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. Hello, everyone. It has certainly been a while. I've missed you guys, and I hope that you have missed us too. I mentioned on social media I've been a little bit sick. I was actually sick for about six weeks. It was pretty rough, but thanks to good doctors, I am feeling a lot better now, so I'm going to go ahead and give this a try. This episode's a little bit different. I called it the disease. I wrote it on March 1st, which is right before kind of all this went down. Um, I had been aware, obviously, of the virus that we're all too familiar with right now. But it was right before we were shutting down, and I was actually on a plane for a work trip. And I sat down and wrote this on the airplane, just thinking about what's going on and what could happen, and just how dark things might get, which is sometimes the right inspiration for horror stories, is just thinking about not only how dark the world is, but just how dark can it be, and that's really what this story is about, so if you are tired of hearing about what's going on, that is totally fine, this is obviously not based on reality, it is a horror story, um and it was before lockdown so it's just it's just a story but if you don't want to hear just stop listening it's totally okay and again this one is called the disease so get ready the airport is strange today i notice it as soon as james drops me off we are drifting apart he and i But still, he drives me. Still, he helps me pack and he kisses my cheek, and no part of him knows how much his solicitousness drives me away, even as I let him, even as I take advantage of the convenience. This goodbye is realer than normal, but he does not know that either. The news told me that few people were traveling. But the airport is full, busier than normal, and I head for security, but am turned away by a sign that says pre-check is further down, a three-minute walk. Ten minutes later, I get there, and the pre-check line is long, too long. The wait is twice that of general boarding, and I briefly debate using the other line, and then remember the annoyance of shoes and laptops, and I stay in my lane. Two men eye me outside the guardrails of the security line and I shift away. Their accents and their staring and their lingering where no one needs to be annoys me and I make soft eye contact that they know I see them and then I deliberately turn away. The airport is hot. It is only 60 degrees outside but I'm sweating. I dab at my face so no one will think I am ill. The man at the security checkpoint compliments my hair. Yes, I think, but I say thank you and I smile and I walk through security and no one challenges me even though my bag is full of liquids and my heart is full of knives. There are masks everywhere, not just the Asian travelers like normal, but white women too. That's how you know things are getting serious. I buy lunch and a bottle of water for the flight, and idly wonder if the little bits of cheese and fruit were handled correctly when this was packaged, and I hope the flight attendant will give me a fork. James texts me to ask if I've made it through security, and I assure him I'm fine, and then I send him an article about an abusive woman who hides her partner's glasses so that he cannot see, and we both laugh. I send some final emails and post the video I recorded in the car and my internal clock tells me it's time but I look at the gate and nothing is happening. My watch agrees, it is time but the gate is silent. My phone buzzes with comments on my video and I scroll through them, full of emojis. Finally, something from the gate Apparently our flight attendant is missing, and so we are delayed while they try to find her. I, of course, think of the pandemic, but if she is sick, of course it is best that she stayed home. I watch a man touch his nose with his finger. It slides inside, and I want to murder him. Don't touch your face. Go home. Don't touch anything. Still no flight attendant. I send some more emails and then suddenly they have found a replacement and we are lining up to board and a man looks at me and asks my boarding group number and then says that is his number too. We are in this together. And I give him my disinterested smile and he understands and starts chatting someone else. But she doesn't know how to disengage so they keep talking as we board the plane and I am annoyed I didn't get a first class ticket. This is what happens when you fly coach. I get to my seat, a window seat that James has secured for me, and miraculously, there is no one in my row, and the overhead bin is not full, and I get settled, wondering who will be sitting with me. A group of teenage boys passes, gawking at me, and I remember they were staring at me in the boarding area too, and I want to tell them I am older than their mother, but that will not go my way, so I say nothing. This is the problem. I look like someone. I look like I am someone, someone famous, someone interesting. It is the way I do my hair, my makeup. It is the way I walk, like I own the ground I step on and everything around me. But I am not someone, I am just another person and I will never give them what they want. I notice that many people have been looking at me and I look around. This flight is going to Denver, and everyone on it looks like Denver people, which is to say I am probably relatively more attractive than normal. Which is unfortunate. I do not like the attention. At all. I text James to tell him I've finally boarded an hour late. And then I turn off my phone and stare out the window. I feel something small land in the seat next to me. It is a child, a small boy, and he is very polite and quiet as he settles in. His father takes the aisle seat, a large white man, and I'm instantly annoyed. But he is very sweet to his son and helps him get settled, and a woman sits across the aisle from him, his wife, I assume, and she checks on the child too. Oh. To be this little boy, so loved. He plugs his headphones into his tablet and watches a movie and says not a word. Every once in a while, his tiny hand brushes against me and I flinch and move away. His cartoon backpack is on the ground, not under the seat in front of him. And I worry that if we have an emergency, I will trip over it. I will have to shove his father out of my way, and I feel bad now, but if it needs to happen, it will. I do not smile at them with my mouth full of teeth. Planes make me sleepy. It is strange. I cannot sleep in public, and I cannot sleep sitting up, but the plane and its humming try to lull me to sleep. I know it will not work, but I close my eyes and lean my head against the window for takeoff and let myself doze just a little. I am caught in that strange, almost dreamland that borders on sleep. I wonder if it is my body trying to short out my brain, full of anxious thoughts. This is not a good day for traveling. When I open my eyes, they are above me, with their long arms and bulging bellies and their eyes, too big and round, hanging from their ceiling by their claws. I knew they would be here. I close my eyes and try to rest. I can feel the child fidgeting next to me, but then he stills, and all is quiet, and when next I look, the plain is dark and quiet and empty. All the people are gone, and it is just me and the darkness, and we talk for a while. We tell each other secrets, and it is good to talk alone with my old friend like this. We finish with each other, and I blink, and the plane is normal again. They are still watching me from above, my angels, and there is a plastic fork in my hand. And the child next to me is eating chips, chewing with his mouth open and smacking his lips, and it disgusts me. So I take the handle of my fork and I jam it in his tiny eye and he screams, quite briefly, because I shush him, and then I take his chips and eat them. They're very good. I needed the salt. I close my eyes to rest again, and when I open them, the boy is fine. And the flight attendants, I wonder which one is the replacement, are coming by, taking food and drink orders, and his mother orders him chips. She gets them all chips. And I take his cookie and drink my juice and watch him smack his lips and chew with his mouth open, and his father says nothing. I wait. I think about the missing flight attendant while the angels above me press closer. What a nice way to get on a flight you weren't meant to be on, I think. It doesn't seem too hard to arrange. A little distraction here, a hangover there, a little cold she can't shake, and suddenly they need a replacement, and there you are, ready to help on a flight you weren't scheduled for and no one looks too closely at you and your strange availability. The child is still smacking his lips on his chips, and some of the things the darkness said to me start making sense. You will not save him, the darkness told me. Of course I will, I said back. But now, the chips. Maybe I won't. The man in the seat in front of the boy turns his head and I see he is wearing a mask. I see. The child is watching a movie full of adult actors playing teenagers and why can't they find teenage actors and actresses anymore? And why is John Cena in what I assume is a children's movie? The world has gotten strange again. Either it is too old Or I am. The child is still smacking, and now he elbows me when he goes in for another chip. I try not to hate him. He has headphones in. He cannot hear himself. I try to remember wanting to save him. When it happens, I am ready, but never ready enough. Someone at the front of the plane starts screaming and then I hear the coughing. It spreads quickly, and then the blood comes, and the little pops as the air marshal intervenes. It is a new protocol, one they don't talk about, but they will do anything to stop the spread of this disease. Anything. The child does not hear He is still chewing. His little can of chips is endless. And when the angels reach for him, I let them take him. They have been waiting for this. Their long claws like sharpened bone and their gray skin and empty smiles are buried in his soft flesh. And they leave. They take him with them. And I look at his mother and father. They are screaming. And I make up my mind. No one will survive this flight. The plane is doomed. Full of the virus. And it will not be allowed to land. No one on it will ever walk away. Even the air marshal has his pills ready. He knows the drill. He knows he is not walking away either. And I decide that no one on this flight is worth saving, so I close my eyes and step into the waiting darkness while it laughs and tells me I was foolish for even trying. No one is worth saving, it whispers, and it is right. This world is done, and I am done with it, and so I spread my dark wings and drift into the night. While all the things you cannot see chitter and hiss around me. And the only thing tethering me to this world is James. And he feels so very far away. Thank you so much for listening this week. I know my vocals were far from perfect. I'm still recovering and my lungs and voice are not quite back to normal so thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the story and i hope we can start being a little more regular again but i don't i don't think we're there yet <laughs> but we will be soon so i miss you guys i'd love to hear from you on social media and enjoy yourselves